You're listening to the weekly podcast from Bridgeway Church in Greenville, South Carolina, where we help people walk in friendship with God. Well, good morning. Good morning to people online here in beautiful San Diego, South Carolina. A little warm. My name is Chad Narsley, pastor of Bridgeway Church. I love Logos, but I also love Rhema. And uh, there's no way that Claude Bray, who's an elder here, could know what I was opening up with this morning. He gave me a, a word of knowledge this morning. I just started laughing. I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, last night we had Joe Reynolds' family over to our house, and Joe's brother Peter was there, and Peter's getting his license in flying. I've said uh, many, many times I would rather eat uncooked kale the rest of my life as my only meal than ever get back in a two- or a four-seater airplane. If God wanted me to fly, he'd have given me wings. My favorite verse in the Bible is, Lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Lo means right here. God doesn't want me in the air until my spirit leaves my body. I don't understand why people fly airplanes. I've never understood it. How many of you have ever been in a two-seater airplane? Yeah, I just don't understand that. It's a lot like marathon running. Uh, it's just, it's just it just doesn't compute. There's another thing I don't like. I don't like being in the ocean on six to ten foot swells of water. Never been deep sea fishing in my lifetime. My idea of fishing is cane pole for brim or crappie right there with maybe a cricket on it with my grandmama. That's it. You know, if it gets windy, I'll probably go inside. I don't even want to be in a one-man kayak out here with two life jackets, much less go 30 miles offshore where I can't see land. Well, my brother-in-law finds out that we're at the ocean last, uh, I guess, two weeks, three weeks ago. He sends his sister a text and says, hey, you want me to bring my boat? My first thought is, absolutely. There's a lot of good creeks around here we could, we could go to. We could just do some creek fishing, maybe get in an inlet. I'm a 6 a.m. no wave kind of guy, and I tell my wife, go ahead and let him know, I'm not going deep sea fishing. The only stories I've ever heard of deep sea fishing is people throwing up for six hours and spending $500 to do it. How many of you have puked your guts out deep sea fishing? Get your hands up. There you go. See, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not going to do it. Two nights before my brother-in-law gets there, I have two dreams given to me by Almighty God. Both of the dreams that uh, he gave me, I am deep sea fishing so far out, I could not believe it. We teach around here that all dreams come from the Father, and I changed my theology, and I said, devil, I'm not in the mood for dreams. He brings his boat. I get on his boat. Now, you think you're going to go deep sea fishing in a, in a sea boat. Not true. My brother has a little bit bigger than normal bass boat. So what do we do as responsible men? We take the bass boat out so far that you cannot see land anywhere. Nowhere. First day is kind of calm. We're near Destin's beautiful, looks like Bahama water. Second day's not so calm. I thought the boat was going to flip. It was a scene out of a movie, except there's no cameras around. My son Jack had called a couple of bonita fish. He had called uh, some other stuff I can't pronounce. And uh, they kept saying dolphin. I thought they were talking about literally dolphin, but it was a dolphin fish. All of a sudden, Jack's at the back of the boat, my 11-year-old, and his body, he hooked something, and his body gets thrown towards the side. My brother-in-law yells, it's a shark. So think of me. I'm a brim guy. My idea of being outdoors is sitting on my back porch in October, zero humidity, no bugs, and a football game on. Now here I am with visions of Tom Hanks on Castaway, and I'm close to dying. My 11-year-old's about to get thrown off the shore, but something happened on the inside of me. I don't know what it is. Every once in a while, you got to have a moment like a man where you want to kill the bear, drag it back to the hut, your wife worship you, and everybody says, man, we're so glad you're on the earth to protect us all. This was my moment, my moment to catch a shark. 
I grabbed the rod, and the only way I know how to describe it was if I had not been working out the last year and a half, there's no way I could have gotten this thing in. For the next 30, 45 minutes, it, it, uh, it's quite a battle, and something came alive in me. As the shark gets closer, the water is very clear uh, in Destin, 30 miles out. It's really bizarre. I don't know how it is that way down there. But you can see this mass, this mass of amphibious, whatever it is, animal. And he yells, it's a silky shark. He goes, it's seven feet. It might be eight feet. It's eight feet. I'm thinking, eight feet? I'm like a dadgum Jacques Cousteau. Now, it's not occurred to me that you can't get the thing in the boat. I'm just thinking, we're going to get it out of the boat, take a picture. <laughs> it's a thousand pounds or whatever. We get it to the side, and I didn't see it coming, but I had a prophetic moment where we get this shark. It thrashed, and then we get to the side of the boat, and I leaned down and took some pictures. If I could, I'll show them to you. I'll show it in a couple weeks. And I stared through this shark's eyes, and this is what the father showed me. He asked me a question. Where did my son go for three days before he resurrected? That's what he asked me. When you're staring at a shark, they could eat you. You know, Spielberg made a movie about a shark, and it's still famous to this day. It's, it's a little bit different than ke- catching a bass, no offense. It, it is like exhilarating and scary, and this thing can eat you. I stare at it, God asked me a question, and then this is where this entire series came from. Claw Bray got a word of knowledge this morning about me and a shark. You understand that Jesus loved people very well. He still does. But not only did he not love spirits, he actually came to strip them, humiliate them. Read Colossians. When he descends into the belly of the earth, what do you think he did for three days? He lets every one of those spirits know what had happened. You see, it says in Romans, if the enemy would have known what Jesus came to do, they never would have done what they did. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Adam and Eve were giving unbelievable authority by the creator to tend to the garden and multiply, subdue the earth, and have jurisdiction, domain with, with great authority. They were like uh, very kingly. They were here to rule. They committed treason. They handed that authority to Satan. Jesus came to strip Satan of that authority and hand it back to you. Most of God's kids, including sitting right here, you have no idea what's the first thing that came out of the Lord's mouth when he began his ministry. You have no idea the first thing that came out of his mouth when he resurrected from the grave. He starts his ministry in Matthew 4, 17 and says, repent, change the way you think, metanoia, for the kingdom of God is at hand. First thing out of his mouth when he resurrects, behold, I've been given all authority. The question is, what did he do with that authority? He flipped that authority back to man, but most of God's kids have an authority they're not aware of and they absolutely don't know how to use it. You see, boldness is not ever directed at people. Boldness is directed at the spirits that come at you through people. And the reason that most of us don't see breakthrough in our lives is not because God's not moving. It's because we do not know how to use the authority that God gave us. And when I'm looking at the shark, I told my wife, and she hears me say stuff like this all the time, and I'm sure it's, I'm kind of a crazy person anyway. I said, Wendy, I'm telling you, my life changed when I saw that shark. I stared a hole through its soul. By the way, when I looked at it, there was another hook in his mouth. Somebody else had hooked that shark. I don't know what that means yet. I can chew on that. So I hooked him for the second time. The point is this. Boldness is not about you being full of bravado, looking tough around other people. It's not it at all. Boldness is learning how to navigate through the demonic realm when the demonic realm is rearing its head in your life. When's the last time you've taken authority over your household out loud, blessed your house with prosperity? 
When's the last time you've seen the enemy working in the lives of one of your kids? And instead of going to 12 weeks of counseling first, you get on your knees, you thank the father for who you are. Then you stand up and you take jurisdiction over your kids and you command whatever it is in the demonic realm coming over your kids, you break off every assignment. I have seen this in my own family in the last six months. I saw a literal spirit, a literal spirit of apathy come upon my son, Sam Nars, 17 years old. So I don't complain and whine and say, it must be hard being a pastor's kid. Hang on, Sam, because perhaps the Lord will come back sometime soon. You know what I did? In the name of Jesus Christ, I command the spirit of apathy. I break off your assignment. I command the fire of God to come back upon my son, and I'm seeing it. My daughter has had a physical ailment in her stomach for a year and a half. A year and a half when she eats food, she's been sick off and on. It was worse than she ever let me know. Holy Spirit tells me about a month and a half ago to take Ruthie on a date night. So we go on a date night. We're sitting there. I go into the only way I know how to call it is God puts his eyeballs in my socket. You want to know why? Because I ask him almost once a day. Father, put your eyes in my sockets. I want to see what you see. Ruthie eats a little bit of her pasta. God shows me why. He shows me it was a demonic assignment and it wasn't a physical illness on Ruthie. Do you know that one third of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, healings were deliverances? One third of the sicknesses in the Bible. I've, I've, I've read this myself in the Gospels. He delivered people of the enemy, then they got healed. A lot of times you think it's a physical ailment. It's not. It's the enemy. And you're built like a shark to attack this thing, but you act like a crappy or you act like a brim. Oh, who am I? I'm just little old me. You're not little old you. You're not. I promise you the devil doesn't think you're little old you, but if you think you're little old you, then he'll, he'll, he'll push you around the rest of your life. I looked at Ruthie and I said, Ruthie, this may be strange to you and I don't care. In public, no worship service, the breeze isn't blowing. I don't care who's around. I don't care what waiter is around. And I did not speak to the Father. I didn't build intimacy with the Father in my journal. I spoke directly to the demonic spirit that was attacking my daughter. She has not been sick since that day. She literally felt something let go of her. Interview her yourself. She's here somewhere. There she is. Is that true, Ruthie? Yes. And then she ate more pasta than her daddy, praise God. A lot of you are experiencing things in life that are not ordained. It's not from the Father, and it's not His will. And you accept it as though that's just my lot in life. Nope. Truth is, Vince is a threat. Truth is, if I'm the enemy, I'd come after Vince. Truth is, Vince fault. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. And part of this journey is you say, well, I'm not seeing the breakthrough. I like what Jessica Longshore said the other day. She was working out and she said, I just got to suck it up, buttercup. To a lot of God's kids, you got to suck it up, buttercup, because the breakthrough will come after battling for two months, three months, four months. You know, we become so entitled, we just think everything's supposed to be comfortable and handed to us. It is a war until he returns. But the truth is, the war is not an equal battle. The authority is in my hands. Do you understand that Jesus Christ flipped the keys to the kingdom to his disciples? And a lot of people pray as though that didn't happen. Keys always represent authority. Always. There's nothing you can do to wait on him to give you an authority that he actually already gave you access to at Calvary. You see, people don't understand what happened at Calvary. Calvary is an invitation into the family of God where you are in Christ 189 times, sit at the right hand of the Father, and now the way Jesus operated is the way you get to operate. I'm all for being wise. I am all for being wise during this pandemic. 
I said it at the beginning, I said it in the middle, and I say it now. I cannot believe how the spirit of fear is pushing so many of God's kids around. I have told Wendy from the very beginning. I literally cannot believe it. And if you hear me saying right now not to be wise, that's not what I said. I wash my hands. I have hand sanitizer. I wore a mask to the store the other day. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying a lot of people act as though there is no God. I'm serious. Oh, what are we going to do? i tell you what you're going to do. You're going to take your authority and move forward. And at some point, I mean, honestly, if you think about what is it that I'm fearing? A lot of God's kids, honest to God, if you want to know the truth, you fear dying. And you might as well just admit it. Because if you can overcome the fear of death, you are an incredible threat to the devil. I heard Chris Valentin say about 20 years ago that the most dangerous man and woman in the kingdom of God is one that has no fear of death. If, if the devil cannot push you into what psychologists call the number one fear of man, which is death, if you don't fear that, why are you not going to fight? Like, what are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? 366 times in the Bible it says fear not. It is unbelievable how doors open, not when God opens them, when you do with your authority. One of the most dangerous verses that God's kids latch onto is Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord. Do you understand that waiting upon the Lord in the Hebraic sense is being offensive and being aggressive and being bold? Elijah had two shots to win. He won big in the first one. 850 prophets. He called down fire. And then one woman scared him to death. And God had to hand his mantle to Elisha because Elijah was scared to death to confront the wife of the king. She wasn't even the king. And you know what God's response was to Elijah? It wasn't, hey, at least I'm proud of you. You have followed me for so long. I am so proud of you. It, God says to him twice, what are you doing here? Like, what's wrong with you? People say, well, it's just Elijah's time. It was time for Elisha to come forward. No, it wasn't. You literally, at some point, will be replaced by God in your assignment if you refuse to take your authority and move forward towards what he's called you to do. And we got to be careful because a lot of times what we call wisdom is fear. If I ever get the opportunity to thank Bill Johnson one day, I'm going to thank him for something he has helped me understand for the last 15 years. Most people, what they call processing, heaven calls unbelief. Unbelief is a sin. It is equated to witchcraft. I'm not talking about pandemic this morning. I'm talking about when spirits come against you, why are you going to sit there and take it? Because the truth is God's actually made you like a shark towards spirits. I can prove this in James 4, 7, and I'll close here. You resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. The word flee in Greek is run in stark terror. When do you remember the time I threw away all those charismatic books that were about spiritual warfare? The more I read on, the worse they got. My, we had some manifestations. That, if I told some of y'all, you literally would not believe some of the things that manifested in the natural in my life. It's because I was reading those books from a place of fear. I threw them all away and saw blind eyes open six months later. I've seen incurable diseases healed. I've seen my daughter get set free of something that bothered her for two years. I've seen Sam have ringing in his ears and something going on in his eyes. And I never talked to Abba. I commanded it to end. I've seen Jack healed instantly. I've seen my wife get literally supernaturally pregnant when she wasn't supposed to get pregnant. And when I laid my hands on her, we felt in the natural, literally her stomach rumble. That is a true story. I don't tell y'all a lot about the stories I see. I'm not that smart. I'm not tall. I'm not that good looking. But I tell you, thank you, Bubba. But I'm going to tell you this right now. 
We'll take up a love offering in a second. I tell you what I am. I got one life to live and I'm bold. You didn't know me when I wasn't bold. You didn't know me when I was under the wine press, much less behind it. But I love this about God. He says, Gideon, you valiant warrior. Gideon's got a pair of depends on, scared to death, and he's like, warrior? Warrior? Why you got to tell Joshua, by the way, three, four, five times to not be afraid? Because he's scared. Let's stand up. I'll tell you this. Fear is not the absence of doubt. Fear's looking at doubt, saying, I'm shaking, but I'm going forward. Some of y'all need to admit that um, you just, you, you let the enemy get away with way too much in your life. I'm serious. I hadn't told this story in a long time. There were two plants. I cursed one, and one was dead. I have witnesses to this. One was dead, and I commanded it to come back to life. The plant I cursed died, and three days later, the plant that I uh, blessed came back to life, literally Bless your body, bless your family, bless your marriage, bless your finances. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise and boldness for heaven's sakes. The elders are coming up here Thursday night. We're taking our literal swords. We ought to film this. They think we're nuts now. Just wait for Thursday night. We're going to walk all this property and we're going to pray with our swords. I just declare this house just disease-free. I declare um, incurable diseases to be healed. I declare this is a place, Bridgeway Church, that people who've been sick for, for years and that no one gives them a chance, that their body just gradually starts getting better. Why not put your faith in gradual wholeness, gradual healing? I'm just simply saying this. I bless this house that we would choose boldness, say no to fear, and act like one of God's kids, the Most High God. Be blessed. We will see you next Sunday morning. Thanks for listening. To learn more and support what's going on here at Bridgeway Church, visit bridgewaychurch.org. As Pastor Chad always says, be at peace.